What's up, y'all? Welcome in. I'm here in hurricane-centric Florida. It's very windy. I don't know if you can hear it. I apologize if you can. Got a great episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast for y'all today. It's with my brother, Jared Picard. You've heard Jared on my, on my podcast before. He is the founder of Be Here Farm and Nature, some of my favorite products on the planet, world-class quality in everything he does. Highly recommend it. Next year, doing two epic retreats with Jared, one in Italy, one on the Snake River on the Idaho-Oregon border. Definitely hear more about that. There will be links in the show notes for both of those experiences. You can DM Jared, message Jared, have a conversation with him, talk to him about it, get more info, purchase your tickets, register there. Um, this is a great one. Talking about the miracle of life, nature connection, how important that is for our well-being. Excited to share this with you guys. Enjoy it. Lots of love to y'all. You know the products that I like. Strong coffee. Best way to start your day. Raw optics. I'm traveling with my blue light blocking glasses. They're fantastic. Don't leave home without them. A lot of good benefits there. Check the show notes for all of those things. Your code to get a discount. Lots of love, y'all. I'll see y'all soon. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source, the key of imagination, your admission, access to the enlightened dimension, a gateway at the junction of darkness and light, the place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. Well, here we are, everybody. My brother from another mother, soul brother, Jared Picard, in the house. Good hey, to see you, man. Hey, hey, hey. Great to, great to have you back. Yeah. Um... So, first of all, since we have you here, Be Here Farm, the Be Here melange of products, I have to say that I haven't, I have never come across a company that pays such deep attention to the ingredients that are being used in each one of the products, the quality of each one of those ingredients that's being used in the products. And what occurs is you're left with one of the highest quality, highest potency, delicious end results that you could possibly imagine. The summer solstice serum, I don't put anything on my skin, dude. I don't put anything on my skin other than summer solstice serum. It's about as good as it gets. Um, and what better way to talk about that than to have you in the house? Because this is, you know, knowing you and who you are as a human being and what you're interested in doing in the world. 
of course you would found and create this company, UNV. And it's just, I don't even know what to say. It's really, it's, it's almost in this day and age of hyper industrialization of everything. Even, you know, you go to Whole Foods and you get, you, you find a product that you like that's, that's a packaged good, say. Maybe it's good kids granola bars that have really clean ingredients. Right. And then one day you come back and the ingredients are totally changed. Yeah. They've added synthetics and seed oils and all kinds of weird natural flavorings and shit and they just ruin the product. Yeah, that really does happen. You're right. It happens. It's happened to me a handful of times. And so in a world where people, companies in particular, are so hyper-focused on their their margins and their profitability to watch you and to see your company maintain such conscious, purposeful values is really a special thing. Thank you for sharing. I mean, other than you being an awesome dude and we us having a lot of laughs, I mean, it's amazing to see what you've created with your company, dude. Yeah, I think the products are like a reflection of the process. So obviously in a highly industrialized process, um, you're not just getting the lower quality ingredients. You're getting, you know, the shortest cut of every possible aspect of it. And if you break down what's behind a product, obviously you got to start with the ingredients, how and where they're grown. Um, a lot of them are lab derived. They're not even like really things you would consider to be grown somewhere. Mm. You know, they're more like Mm -hmm. made and synthesized and extracted through solvents and other processes. Uh, so even if you just look at products that are featuring actual nameable ingredients that you are familiar with, you then still have to wonder how are they, they grown. Um, and most products aren't carrying the certified organic label. I'll just say neither do ours, but that for different reasons, probably than most. Um, but even if they were carrying the organic label, you'd have to assume that they were industrially farmed through large monoculture organic farms. And so you're again missing you know, some of the cleanliness and nutrient density that you can get from a more holistic growing process. So every step of the way from like growing to then how do you take those ingredients and infuse them into, in our case, oil, um, we use the sun and the moonshine. You know, the most common way is like a stove. Not moonshine, the actual moonshine. Yeah, the moon shining. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, moonlight and sunlight. I love that, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, every step of the way down into the bottle that it's bottled in, biophotonic muron glass uh, to protect the vitality of it. So once you have a product like that, you want to preserve it the best way possible. So we don't add any preservatives to the product. It's just the you know, the actual whole foods themselves without any stabilizers, modifiers, preservatives of any kind. Um, and then, you know, what's it packaged in? In our case, the answer will be nothing because packaging is excessively wasteful and you're going to open it up and throw it out immediately. Um, so we don't have any packaging. We hand wrap the bottles in cloth and we ship them, you know, in wood shavings. So 
everything that you're receiving is entirely usable or compostable. Even the tape itself that people, you know, wrap the packages up in, they have tape that looks like paper tape, which is ours. Ours is paper tape. But on the bottom layer of that, it'll be just plastic tape. It's like paper tape covering plastic tape. And so that's not really very compostable either. So there's there's decisions to be made every step of the way from growing to selling the product. And we try to make each of those decisions, you know, right. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I love that, dude. I love it so much. To me, the idea of infusing this oil with the herbs that you use, there's seven cure-alls, correct? In the summer solstice serum, yeah. And some of those are repeated in some of our other products. And then some of our other products have a few ingredients that aren't in the summer solstice serum. But the summer solstice serum is a blend of seven of these botanical infusions that we just described. In... Olive oil? Yeah, biodynamic olive oil for the summer solstice serum. And then, you know, we use some avocado oil mm. that we get from Apricot Lane Farm, which is the 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 one that they made the documentary about, the little big farm. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have said that because now it would be impossible to, like, buy it again. But uh, And then uh, we get some almond oil as well, which is from a biodynamic farmer in California who... It's not really commercially viable for her to make the oil. She does have a, a really beautiful olive, I mean, almond farm. Uh, it's a very biodiverse farm. It's not like she's only growing almonds because it's a biodynamic farm. And biodiversity is one of the main tenants of biodynamics. So she'll have a, a huge amount of different things that she's growing. But anyways, the point is, is that she custom crushes the almond oil for us on demand. So these oils are much fresher then like mm. people probably don't appreciate that when, when a skincare company wants to make a product, they almost certainly don't have a relationship with a small farm that's growing their oils for them. They're buying them from one of just a handful of like large wholesalers. And, you know, they're, I won't disparage any because they do serve a nice purpose, you know, for people to get access to these ingredients in a convenient way. But those are not of the same quality or freshness as if somebody was growing them in, you know, their holistic garden out, out back and then harvesting it and turning it into products immediately. It might actually be like a year or two less fresh mm. uh, by the time you clear cut a field of chamomile in Bulgaria with a tractor and then dry it in an industrial, you know, dryer and then vacuum seal it into bricks which like sit on a warehouse shelf until that third party wholesaler that we're all from might be familiar with if we buy herbs online purchases it sends it to their warehouse before a cosmetic you know skincare maker orders it for the very first time and then starts their relationship with the ingredients that become the product so that's wild dude yeah i mean like as opposed to tending the soil Mm for years before that ingredient is even planted and then raising it as a baby all the way up into maturity and then harvesting it by hand only the most pristine blooms because you're doing it by hand so you have human discernment as opposed to clear cutting it with a machine so it's like the ingredient will still be called chamomile you know Mm. both bottles mine and theirs they'll both say chamomile and they're just horses of different colors. They're just mm. not comparable. Right. Um, that was a freshness conversation. It wasn't even a nutrient density conversation. Like, what is the chamomile made out of? 
Mm. What process did the chamomile grow through? Um, you know, was it propped up on chemicals that just blast it into growth, you know? So it's like full of water and chemicals basically, Mm. or did it like struggle in the soil a little bit and have to work hard Mm. and, you know, communicate with its surroundings and use its intelligence to seek the micronutrients that it needs from the soil because it's not being overwhelmed and saturated with chemical fertilizers. It has to start using its brain a little bit and its roots and start looking for what it needs. And so it's much more in tune with its surroundings and um, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah. It's the difference. Like Steiner likes to talk about how you could walk by like a dull person and they won't even notice you cause they're, you know, lo- lost in their dullness, let's say. Uh-huh. But you know, you, you walk by like a Marine who's got situal situational awareness of their surroundings at all times. Like that guy's going to notice you. Mm. So a plant that is, you know, raised in the environment in which it needs to be aware of its surroundings um, is a much more attuned plant. So this is one of the pillars of biodynamic farming. It's an insight from biodynamics. Yeah. I mean, like you want the plants, you want the, the trees, whatever you're growing, you want it to struggle. I mean, like I, not maybe there's, there's not like, struggle. Yeah, of course, there's a point, right? There's a point yes, to which, yes. like, you're now. But you want it dying. to, you want it to strain to live. Essentially, think about you going to the gym. Uh-huh. You know, and you need yeah. even the moonlight compared to the sunlight is a stressful light to the plant. Um, so that's like the resistance, almost. You know, that you get at the gym. Uh, so yeah, there, there's, there, like, you know, the opposite would be over fertilizing a plant with chemical fertilizers and then pesticiding it to death of basically. course because the plant is at that point like absent of uh life force yeah life force and a certain amount of intelligence and mm. you know ability to utilize the resources around it because it's basically just like you know, on an IV of drugs, right? You know? Right. Like it's just like lying there in a hospital bed. Ah, um, such an interesting analogy. Such an interesting analogy. Dude. It's not such a leap because, like, right. some of these things are grown even hydroponically, without, literally with an IV. Yeah, like without soil at all. Uh-huh. So they're just grown in a salty medium of some kind, and the the the, the nutrients obviously are going in what the water, right? There is nothing else, so it's just going into the water. Even on large farms, they'll you know, and there's positive ways to do this too. You can inject compost tea into your irrigation system or something like that, theoretically. that's not what I'm talking about, but the idea that the, the thing doesn't have to work or think for where its nutrients are coming, I think obviously makes it a a more well-developed, well-rounded version of itself. Mm. Are there any, maybe you're, you're in too deep to, recognize anything in this question or or recognize some sort of positive in this question is there any good reason for hydroponic growing we'd have to talk to hydroponic people i mean good reason would be like for example there's a woman that we know 
um, that we met on our river trip together, one of the guests, Andy, who has uh, a lot of involvement in a kid's school program in Miami. And they have a hydroponic tower of some kind mm. in their classroom. Mm. And I've only seen, you know, positive benefits from watching them on Instagram, sure. you know? So it's like, there's an example, education, uh, getting, there's, the, there's no reason for me to step into that classroom and be like, listen, fuckers, <laughs> right. you, there's no nutrients in that strawberry. That's not uh -huh. the point. The point is that they're cultivating wonder and, uh -huh. in, and interest, you know, yeah. in where their food comes from. Mm. And they, they, they have a garden outside that's not hydroponic as mm. well. But, you know, the, 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 the theoretical benefit of something like hydroponics is the idea of feeding a bunch of people in urban environments without, you know, farmland. Right. Um, and like, yeah, that I was, makes sense. I was talking to, uh, gosh, I wish I remember who this guy was. I was talking to this guy whose family was just absolutely huge in like Asian produce, mm. like mostly plants from China that in Chinatown, in New York City, this story was, they just, you know, consume in large volumes. Mm. And they were, I think, the trucking company. And they eventually went out of business because there's like endless basements in Chinatown where hydroponic LED lights are grown in like the dingiest of spaces. And they're producing a large amount of produce hydroponically. And Interesting. And, and then like... It's, they're not in the soil. They're also not in the sunlight or the moonlight. So, so now it's saying we know so much about what these plants need that we don't even need to put them in the soil. We could just feed them these nutrients in the water and they don't even need sunlight or moonlight. They just need these led lights. And you know, what's interesting. We studied it and they don't actually need that much light because light costs electricity bills. Right? So they wow. actually just need light for like, a few minutes on and then off and then a few minutes on and then off. And interestingly they grow. And so it's like, they're just completely manipulated into producing something that look, looks vegetable. like an end crop, you know, mm. leafy Asian greens or whatever mm. as a good example, like mm -hmm. cabbage or something. Maybe. Sure. Like it looks like an end crop, but it's uh, quite unnatural. You know, it's not that far from, you know, it is, it is less far, but it's not that far in my mind from like now they're synthesizing meat indoors, right. you know? So it's right. just like, these are things that kind of look like the thing, but you know, the point is, is that our products are made from very common sounding things like calendula and chamomile, the process in which they were grown greatly differentiates them. And that carries through, you know, to the end product. And there's other aspects. You feel of that. There's other aspects of why you feel it because they're they're made by hand too. Mm -hmm. So um, there's an energetic quality imprinted yes. into it of the human who mm -hmm. made it. That's also true for a machine-made product, a factory-made mm -hmm. product. There's an energetic quality of the machinery and that process that's yeah. in, you know sort of infused or imbued into the end product uh and they can have the same ingredients and you won't have a hard time telling them apart if one was handmade and one was factory made even if they were the same ingredients which a factory would probably have a hard time 
using so few natural ingredients to make their thing look like, you know, a pie or a cookie oh. or whatever it is they're making. But grandma can take like flour, water, yeast and make bread. And then like you look at Wonder Bread and... It's 15 ingredients. Yeah. I mean like, and they're both bread and they both look kind of the same. And that's kind of what we're dealing with, with um, most most products that you would consider, you know, similar to ours, like face and body products, even shampoo and some makeup and stuff like that. There's very few that are made with, you know, ingredients that you'd want to put in your body. I mean, and then forget about, I mean, like on your body, in your body is a thin line. So, you know, if you get the fact that you don't want to put that stuff in your body, it's not that much of a leap to not want to even put it on your body. Beauty products in general seems like a complete fucking hellscape of chemicals and ironically products to make you look younger that age your skin. Yeah, it's it's backwards, but yeah, it's messed up. Um Okay, before we close out this part of our convo Talk a little bit about cure-alls. St. John's wort is one in particular that I really love and fascinates me. Yeah. And I got to see you pick it wild at, on the river trip, the Snake River, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, the St. John's wort, named after John the Baptist, I believe, who baptized Jesus and was a wild man, lived in the forest, ate honey and locusts and was kind of he they talk about him being the um the reincarnation of Ezekiel I believe very interesting character beheaded by king Noah Herod, Herod. um really interesting character and this plant is so incredible yeah. St. John's wort in particular but all I mean all of the the talk about what is a cure all like what, what, what delineates or, um, what are some of the characteristics of a so-called cure-all? Yeah. I mean, I use the word cure-all to, to, to describe some, if not nearly most of our ingredients. Um, and I think what I mean by that is that they've been used for a myriad of reasons in the folk tradition mm. for as long as, you know, we know of and oftentimes across cultures. And then as a result of that, they're in the sort of consciousness for mm. a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so they've also been pretty well studied at this point. So now they're the plants that have a large amount of like peer reviewed studies that have been done on them. You know, you don't have to, look very hard to type in peer reviewed topical benefit of insert whatever you want, mm. you know, calendula, chamomile, whatever, lavender, whatever. Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is a sort of funny list because it's like every skin condition. We're talking about topical things at the moment. It's like every skin condition you've ever heard of, uh. like try to name a skin condition that's not topically benefited from lavender and calendula and chamomile. Um, so, that's what I mean by cure-all is that it would take so long to list the possible benefits of the plant. Right. And it seems so all-encompassing that it actually feels more appropriate to just say, it's a cure-all. Uh -huh. You know, we've used it for everything. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, you know, some plants like St. John's wort have like, you know, like they're, they're not just physical in terms of their benefit. Mm. So like St. John's wort is used as an antidepressant. Mm. Um, the most common natural antidepressant around the world will be an extract of hypericum, which is St. John's wort. Oh, interesting. Um, so folk traditions around it would have involved using it to let's say ward off evil spirits Mm. um and you know like you know like the sort of prediction of jesus to come that's you know we're talking now about the winter solstice Mm. um the most spiritually let's say active and dense time of the year as opposed to the summer solstice, which is like the most physically alive time of year. Mm. Everything is reaching upwards towards the sun. Everything's growing and living. Everything's flowering and seeding and expressing itself physically. Mm. But then it disappears, right? Where does it go? It goes inward. Mm. Um, and so all of the energy, you know, falls down into the earth. The earth looks sleepier in winter, but it's actually much more awake. Um, Mm. it's internalizing, uh, it's the other half of the year, you know, all of that energy goes down and you see the leaves fall, you see the plants drop, you see the, the sap, you know, store in the roots. Um, Mm. and so that's where all the energy goes. And so St. John's wort comes at the summer solstice, but it's actually kind of a medicine for the winter solstice. Interesting. And that's where the conversation starts to veer towards like seasonality Mm. and the observational calendar of nature, like as opposed to our actual calendar, uh, which, you know, falls off step with a lot of things and was adjusted for different religious and civic reasons over time. It's no longer super well aligned with the observational calendar, which is I can look outside and see, you know, the sunrise and the the moonset and I can see how many hours of daylight there are. I can get a sense of the sun angle and the temperature. Um, and so there's the solstices, which we just described. And then there's the equinoxes mm. where there's 12 hours of day, 12 hours of night, equinox equal night. Um, and, uh. so, and so that's, uh, the halfway point between these solstices And then the halfway point between those things, the solstices and the equinoxes are called the cross quarters. And so the cross quarters in the Celtic calendar were the start of the season. And so we start summer at the summer solstice, which is kind of wild because it's the peak sunlight every day after that point, there's a declination heading towards fall and winter. And so it's like arguably the end, but it's undoubtedly the middle. Right. And it's not really the beginning. Uh huh. And so May Day is is more traditionally celebrated as the, the start of summer in like ancient festivals in in, okay. in Celtic uh traditions and Roman traditions. There's a May Day was like the beginning of summer. Mm. And then February second, which we quote unquote celebrate as Groundhog's Day, is the start of spring. And in a lot of places, it doesn't even feel like spring yet. And yet there'll be snow that melts 
in Oregon or somewhere very cold and north, you know, northern in in the north and the snow will melt and there will be bloomed flowers mm. underneath the snow and grass and, mm. you know, other plants. Um, I'm trying to remember the, these ones in particular that we're actually talking about up in Oregon at my buddy's farm, how they're the first things to bloom. And sometimes they're there under the snow, like as the snow is melting. Interesting. And so the earth, you know, knows that it's spring at that time. And a person who's in tune with their surroundings will also get a sense of it. Um, and the calendar will feel really delayed. Anyways, this is a St. John's Wort story. So the, the St. John's Wort medicine. This e- is good stuff, though. Even though it's growing in the summer, it's really, and it's, it's useful in the summer, too. It's really most useful in the winter, in the fall, when That's the sun is gone. Because if you like take a step back and just kind of look at the plant and you're wondering what it is, it's a snapshot of a moment in time, which in this case is the summer solstice serum. So it's sitting there, you know, assimilating the moment, mm. the, the weather conditions, the soil conditions, the, the light conditions, and it only blooms during a 40 day window on either edge of the summer solstice, like 20 before 20 after That's wild. give or take a few extra days, mm. depending on your you know location too. Mm. Um, and so it's very much about the peak, the, the energetic quality of peak sunlight. Mm. And then, so when the sun is gone, you can use that medicine uh, to bring light, to bring light into your life. Mm. And that's why it's so effective as a antidepressant. Mm. Um, because that's, you know, let's just call it an absence of light. Love that dude. Maybe inner light, but still. I love that. Yeah. So last question. And I know you have many products and maybe there's, there's one in particular other than the summer solstice serum that you're super excited about right now. Before you answer that question though. The Summer Solstice Serum, which is your marquee product, right? There's a story behind that, but I'll give you a yes. Um, what are some of the uses? What are some uses? Of the Summer Solstice Serum? Of the serum? Solsti- Summer Solstice Serum. Yeah. So like when you're selling topical skincare products, it's uh, like regulated differently than supplements and medicines. Uh-huh. So like you, you can't really advertise let's say about the health benefits of this product but Uh, what i can share anecdotally is a lot of the different things people let me know that they use it for even though it's not what we sell it for and so people have written us using it for nearly every skin condition that you've ever Mm. ever heard of um and then also like first aid issues so like cuts and scrapes and bug bites and, and and minor burns and stuff like that Um, and you know, I use it, I put it in my hair this morning. Oh yeah. Um, people have, you know, reported using it in, in intimate ways with self and others. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, people use it for like fungal infections and, uh, hormonal acne bug bites. Totally bug bites. Yeah. I mean, like when, when we were together down in Mexico, Cal got destroyed. Our friend Cal got just attacked by fire ants, by ants. of some kind. It was nuts. And, uh, you know, he went, his whole body was swelling up actually. Yeah. So he ended up taking some Benadryl or something like that. But 
the actual pain sensation of the bug bites went away almost instantly yeah. when he when he put the serum on it and you know all these ingredients uh pretty much across the collection it's not just the summer solstice serum are the, the, like i said if you look them up they have a lot of different benefits but a common thread between them all is probably that they're beneficial in wound healing and they're probably anti-inflammatory mm. um and so we live in such a pro-inflammatory culture that people are generally inflamed. Yeah. And so I find that nearly everyone has a positive response of starting to apply. You know, we're talking about the summer solstice serum, but I, it's kind of worth explaining the story real quick because yeah. the summer solstice serum is our flagship product because the other ones burn down. Uh. You know, so we don't we, we, we had we had some real bad wildfires in 2020, which people who heard our last episode together two years ago uh, heard that story. And it we grow all the ingredients. Mm. So at that point, I wasn't going to just go to the website that I was referring to earlier and buy all of our ingredients from wholesalers. Uh, I was going to wait an entire year and restore the farm and slowly grow those ingredients again and make the products again for the next year. Mm. The day before, sorry, the day of those fires, thanks to what in retrospect I'll call a premonition, I spent five hours, about three hours before the fire broke out, packing up all of the ingredients for the summer solstice serum into our family RV under the, in real time, fear that we might get evacuated sometime in the next couple of weeks and our plan was to launch that product on sun potions website mm. which would have been the first time it was really launched kind of publicly mm. prior to that we had been selling it to our private farm club members and at farmers markets mm. so this was the first time it was going to go online and i was thinking in my head oh my god we get evacuated every october at least the five prior to oh, that wow one. so five octobers in a row we were evacuated there's never any actual danger, but if you live in an area like this, they'll evacuate you preventatively. And then a couple wow, of days later, you, you go back in. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you'd been evacuated every year. Yeah. Kaya was five when the fires hit. Every year of her life, we were evacuated. Wow. Yeah. So in fear of being evacuated, again, not from actual danger because the last five in a row, nothing had happened. Mm. But I just knew I wouldn't be able to get to the property and that we were supposed to deliver 400 summer solstice serums to Sun Potion two weeks from that date, basically. Whoa. And they weren't even blended yet because, as we said, we make them in these small glass jars as individual ingredients. Mm. So calendula is all by itself. It's mm. not like I blend them all into at, at the same time. We make them as individual ingredients and then blend them to make the products. So we hadn't even blended it yet because... It was September 27th and the season was kind of just coming to an end and they had really all just been infused. They need to be cold pressed. So we separate the flowers from the oil and then we blend them. Mm. But we don't blend the whole year's worth either. We right. just blend what we need. Um, so I was worried that we wouldn't be able to get those oils if we were evacuated. And so I made the summer solstice serum ingredients mobile and put them in the RV. Had I known an actual fire would come, I probably could have loaded up all of our ingredients and a lot more stuff because those buildings all burned down, um, except for our home, which mm -hmm. was you know a blessing. Mm -hmm. But the the fact that the summer solstice serum is quote unquote our marquee signature flagship, whatever you want to call it, that's because for the entire first year, 
that we launched to the public thanks to firstsunpotion.com. Then we were picked up on Cap Beauty, which is like a clean beauty website. And then, you know, we got into a bunch of world-class iconic hotels. We did a handful of podcasts, Paul Check and others. And all of that got us, you know, much more attention than we had ever previously gotten. And all of those people only knew about the summer solstice serum. It's not like I was going to be like, Hey, wait till next year. We're going to have this, you know? So it was just, <laughs> it's what we got. It's just what we got, <laughs> yeah. you know? And there's, there's a couple iconic skincare brands who have like launched over the last 10 years and done really well on one product. Mm. And then five, 10 years later, a second, maybe a third. Um, so we were kind of emboldened by the fact, look, okay, we got this killer product through a miracle. It is with us and did not burn down like everything else you know, let's sell it. And so that became our flagship product Mm. one year later. And now we're two years later, actually three years later, we have for the last couple of years now been growing all those ingredients, making the entire collection. Thankfully, none of it has burnt down. And so we have three serums. We have the summer solstice serum, the restorative body serum and the Royacon serum. They're all Mm. slightly different. We have two masks, which we, we co-branded with Sun Potion because we're utilizing some of their awesome ingredients in, really nice. in our masks. We got the wet mask and the dry mask. Mm-hmm. We have our botanical soaking salts and we have our lip treatment called Honey Kiss. And we have a collection of distilled hydrosols, um, which are floral mists. Um, really nice. And then we have a couple edible products, which... We're not currently making, but I'm saying because, you know, keep your eye out for them because we are just working on some stuff with our our commercial kitchen here now that we've moved to Texas. So those were all permitted and being made in California originally. So there's a couple botanical extracts that are actually edible ingestibles um, that we sell as well. Tulsi drops. Yeah. Tulsi rose drops is one of them. Those are out of this world. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Seriously. Yeah. That's like a drop in the mouth. Um, and it's, uh, people use it for like grounding and anxiety and digestion. But again, we sell it as a, a flavorful, delicious drop for your, your water or otherwise. But most of our, our clients end up doing a drop in the mouth. It's also a craving killer. Yeah, totally. Cause it's got a natural sweetness in it. Um, so, you know, you got that feeling to go grab a chocolate or a cookie or whatever it is and make a quick pit stop at the Tulsi Rose drops, give it a drop in the mouth, see if that, you know, see if that's enough. And oftentimes it is. Yeah. It's a really nice product. Yeah. So for that reason, I call it a mindfulness tool too. Mm, so love that. there's like a real excellent time you can have by meditating on the one drop, you know, it's just one little drop and there's mm. so much flavor yeah. and experience and then memory and mm. sensation and feelings that come up. If you drop in, you know, no pun intended, if you drop into that drop. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so I use it as a mindfulness exercise. Love that. dude. I was just dropping in to it while you were talking. I could feel it on my tongue. Actually. It's funny. Um, amazing dude. Yeah. You can get all this at BeHereFarm.com right. and use code EBBINFLOW. That's right. Get 15% off. You bet. Highly recommend it, guys. Seriously, it's fucking good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean look at your face. I mean, it's glowing. It's beautiful. Yeah. And um, like for you know men, you probably had a decent amount of male listeners. These are very unisex products. Yeah. Very mildly scented. I also don't use other products and I haven't washed my face with 
you know, face wash of any kind, uh, in probably seven or eight years, uh, maybe once or twice, something specific happened, but, uh, this is very cleansing. Yes. Very detoxifying. Yes. Um, so you can, you can interact with us or check out our website, but there's ways of utilizing it as a cleanser as well. Mm. So through some self massage, you can rub the oil in kind of like people do oil pulling with their yes. teeth. You could rub the oil in and then wipe it off and you'll see, you know, whether you've got makeup on or just dirt, grime, debris, whatever it is, you can see it all come right off on the, on a towel. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. The other thing I'll throw out there, although I haven't done it in a while, aftershave, great aftershave yeah. and apparently pre-shave. Yeah. Especially if you add a little bit of shea, shea butter or something like uh, mm. a little bit of something with it. That's the other thing is you. People add the summer solstice serum to their favorite kind of shea or lotion or something mm. just to get it in there. Um, and then, yeah, I leave a bottle of it at my barber because when he shaves oh, my that. neck, I always get little red irritations. Yeah. And so he, now he shaves my neck. He puts this on and no irritation. Good at to all. go. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. yeah. I think we've beat the products up. We've like, beat them up. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, guys. Check it out. Get it. Use code ebb and flow. Get yourself some nice stuff. I, I think your lady will love it too. Just FYI. Yeah. Um, all right, dude. Summer solstice, winter solstice, spring equinox, fall equinox. This is something that really fascinates me. And honestly, this year was the first time ever. And thanks to you, my my friendship with you, our brotherhood has definitely brought me into greater awareness of this, the earth's rhythms, the earth's cycles. And the first summer solstice that I believe I've ever truly celebrated was this year at the trip on the Snake River yeah. for the Be Here nature trip. Live in Hell's Canyon. Be here live in Hell's Canyon, um, which was one of the most, it was a medicine journey, truly. And there was no medicine. I mean, we had some bags and a little tobacco, a little bit of cannabis, maybe. That's not remember. That's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. The point is, there were no quote unquote recognize psychedelic substances as far as plants or you know bio matter go and yet that trip was completely transformative yeah and kind of like interestingly psychedelic in some way absolutely psychedelic yeah like that's why i'm like it was a totally psychedelic trip there was just no ingestion of a fungi or a vine or, you know, there was no psilocybin yeah. or DMT well, or LSD. It was just pure nature. Yeah. It's, it's also like the absence of, of, you know, modern society. Uh-huh. So there, it's a big thing. Didn't look at our phones for four or five days. Right. And just not having any of that around at all mm. is like uh, a decompression chamber you know it really it's like being in a float tank almost it, you know a float tank can be sort of psychedelic you know yes. so it's to take all of that away it's like we're we're just in a different environment it just feels it less 
thick. Yeah. You know, it's like you can yeah. just move through it so easily. You're on the river. The river is this incredibly meditative entity that's constantly flowing and moving. And There's the rocks. wildlife, the rocks, the mountains. You're in this incredible canyon. It's pristine. It's quiet. There's no street lights. There's no power lines. Power nothing. lines. There's no, none of that that's constantly in the atmosphere, especially when you live in LA. None of that. You're just in pure, literal God's country. And I was going to say something. Um, the decompression, the being out in nature, such a powerful transformative experience. The food was amazing. What was the thing I wanted to say? There was one note that, anyway. I don't know, maybe I'll spark you with this because yeah. the thing that tripped me up the most, like when it really hit home, was when I pulled my tent outside of my cot. Mm, and I your just, cot outside of your yeah, tent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check that, reverse. <laughs> when, when, I, when I pulled my cot out of my tent and spent the night just out of the tent um, and seeing the stars, and the, for some reason the stars, I guess because they're in my mind even older, but mm. the you know seeing the stars and then realizing that the river, the rocks, the stars, and most likely the plants in general that we were seeing were identical to what the first people mm. ever there saw. The fucking identical. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. It's like a time machine. The stars. It's a it's a complete blanket of stars in the sky. It's spectacular. Like you can't even really, you don't even really understand what that sight is like until you've seen it for yourself. Yeah. Pictures don't do it justice. I guess we should contextualize what we're talking about. So we, we take, uh, Eben, myself, um, our friend Dopero, who's a sound dealer and musician. Incredible. And, and then chef Aaron, who's uh, a highly trained chef, but uh, also is very much in line with Weston A. Price and holistic principles around digestion and vitality and nature connection and uh, just holistic health in general. And so the four of us take 15 people on last year was three nights. This year it's four night whitewater rafting trip through the place that we're describing now, Hell's Canyon on the snake river uh and hell's canyon the snake river is the dividing line between oregon and idaho and it's north america's deepest river gorge and it's epic and you've been doing it since you were a kid which i, I did love. it a few times yeah throughout my life prior and uh i just like there's river guide trips that do this you know in the yes. the uh the grand canyon even on the river we're on right so there's these routines and i did whatever their regular trip was and it, i just remember it being so memorable so much fun i did it with my high school buddies at one mm, time that's cool and so th i knew that there was a foundation there of a remember for a lifetime trip 
And then I knew if instead of drinking and fishing and, you know, partying and doing whatever me and my high school buddies were doing. So you had that trip too. I did. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, we were 19 uh-huh. or 22 or something. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't exactly remember what year it was, but we came with, you know, an army's worth of beer and liquor <laughs> and then likely, oh, sure. likely other substances. Uh-huh. I mean, I was with my friend last night here in LA um, for dinner and we were remembering on that. We were just reminiscing about that trip, the original, you know, the back in the day one. And we were just laughing about our friend who had a few too many and he was laughing so hard. He fell backwards in his chair and the chair just went, you know, down to the ground and then he stayed like that for the rest of the night for hours, just communicating, drinking, hanging out, just stayed in that orientation. So, yeah, I've had both kinds of trips uh-huh. on this river. Uh, but I just knew that if we broke it apart a little bit and just looked at what's there and then tried to make some modifications that were more in line with our values, that there was a really special opportunity there. And so... There's not that many tweaks that we had to make because like you said, you're out there in nature. I mean, this is all exactly what I'm looking for. Um, and then in our case, the menu is completely revamped. We bring in spring water from a creek that we capture ourselves, 100 gallons for all of our water for the whole time. All of the food was sourced from pristine, you know, regenerative farmers and every piece of meat, every, you know, can of this, every drop of everything was thought about for months ahead of time um and yeah thankfully everybody who came shared similarly that it was one of the best trips of their life and a handful of them have already signed up for next year actually by the time this episode launches you guys who are listening can sign up and uh there's actually a whole second other trip that we could talk about as well but the river trip is june 17th we all get to boise we have a dinner, sorry, June 16th, because then the next day, June 17th, we're on the river for those four nights, which makes the last night on the river this year, the summer solstice. And then we have one more night in Boise just to get out of there at the end. And so it's about a week, but it's those four nights, five days on the river that people are really coming for. Mm, spectacular. I know what I wanted to say. We spend so much time in narrow focus. We talked about this on our last podcast. Yeah. We spend so much time in narrow focus from looking at our phone to the hyper focus on whatever we do for work to make money, paying bills, doing this thing, going there, sending the email, doing all this stuff. We're constantly in like this pinhole view of life. And when you get out there on the river and all of that goes away and your focus opens, that in and of itself is such a healing and powerful experience. Like for me in my meditation practice, I truly do a an open focus meditation where I'm just tuning into the sounds coming into my ears. And when you get into that open focus, what happens is the two hemispheres of your brain, they start to harmonize and work together. And you're not in this narrow focus is, is hyper concentration on usually some task that holds a somewhat significant amount of stress in it. There's something to be done. There's something to be achieved, accomplished, etc. But when you get into open focus and you're not working to identify every single thing that you come into and you just 
get into the experience of what's happening right here, right now. Cause that was such a powerful experience for me on the river trip was I found my mind kept wanting to go. How do I get more of this in? I need to get more of the experience in like, uh, you know, and I would just settle into just being in it and that would, everything would just like just settle and wash away all the mind noise, you know? Yeah. Like the difference between what you were talking about, like bringing it in and what the difference between that and what you're really feeling is an opening of yourself so that you become yes. essentially porous uh-huh. and your soul expands beyond your physical body and yep. forms a union with your surroundings. And, um, you know, that's why I really believe that nature connection is like the, the, the freest and most available and most needed medicine of our time. We're disconnected, you know, in a mm. billion ways that we don't even need to go into. It's obvious. We're so disconnected. So to connect in a meaningful way, um, is actually something that, uh, requires your, your thinking and, you know, activities. Like you can't just take a pill. Yeah. You, know, you have to decide that you're going to think and act like this. And then when you do, there's uh, an abundance of, of medicine. And you don't need to go on a high-end retreat in Hell's Canyon to achieve that. The things that you need to do to start feeling that are so simple that you your brain might not even hear them as valuable if I were to describe them to you. Mm. Like watch like being mindful of the the full moon and the new moon and the sunset and the sunrise being mindful of whether you're approaching an equinox or a solstice like people might think well i don't really care about that right that's not going to do anything for me and you know i'm just sharing from my direct experience how profound those simple relationships turn out to be when you uh approach them as a part of yourself Mm. Um, because then you're not disconnected anymore. You're unified with all that is the entire planet. You know, the calendar is the planet's journey, you know, around the sun, like over the course of a year. Um, Like, which is thinking about that. I was thinking about that the other day. What a fucking miracle it is. Yeah, think about how hard it is to like go fly somewhere, right? This like we're this is a serious trip that the planet makes every single year. It's like how? How? <laughs> how is this even happening? You know? It's it's a mind blower when you really get into the earth is spinning on its axis and then it's flying around the sun. What, what is, why doesn't the earth just fucking fly off into the abyss? You know? Well, I'm sure scientists could probably answer that for us, but like, yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in it. And also like, like it's not like this, like you've probably seen it on YouTube, but it's not like the sun is sitting there on the chalkboard. Like they draw it for us in in school. You know what I mean? The sun's also flying, flying, right? Everything's flying. Yeah, dude. Um, and yeah, it's fucking mind blowing. Science has an answer for it without you know spirituality or miracles involved as long as you accept you know 
one tremendously large miracle, which is like that it all came from nothing. Right. In the beginning. It's right. like inexplicable. Yeah. It's mind blowing, <laughs> yeah. dude. When you really think about that, we take so much, we take everything for granted. Yeah. We take it so much for granted. And this is really, this is really the mission, the ethos of your mission of what you're doing with be here, what you're doing with these events is to connect people yeah. through nature to the miracle of life. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the, the gain is, tr- is there's a lot of gains from that actually happening, but selfishly the gain to the individual is that they connect with themselves yes. through nature. Yeah. I mean, it's the, like you recognize all of a sudden you're a part of that. It is you, you are all one. And then that's a life changing realization for me anyways, it was. Um, you know, I grew up in suburbs and urban environments and then to Jersey. Get, yeah. in New York. And so to get out, you know, originally in Georgia and Tennessee and then California and now Texas and to get out, um, and feel, you know, connection to nature and to, to through that relationship to find a deeper understanding of my own nature um, and then to start living a life that was resonant with my experience of nature and to have my dream, my own personal and professional, you know, highest goals, have my real dream for my life and for my family be resonant with the healing regenerative impulses of mother nature. Um, mm. you know, there's, there's lots of other ways to make money. But to to try and do it in a way that is um, in alignment with the, let's just call it the healing powers of Mother Nature, is like what Steiner would call right vocation. Mm. So it's it's, you know, it's sort of all positive. It's good for you. It's good for the community. It's good for the planet. It's good for the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's, we're kind of also talking about Paul Cech's dream line, which Mm. has been a hallmark of the last third of my life. And I I think honestly saved my life in a lot of ways as did like having a daughter and a wife. Yeah. Because if I, because if I was just sort of on my own and I experienced the fires and the perceived loss of what that was, which was we were developing a hotel on that property. Mm. And I had dedicated 10 years of my life to it. And I was anticipating dedicating the remaining 60, 70, however many years to it as well. Um, And so the perceived loss of that project was something that, you know, could have made me suicidal. Sure. In a, in another dimension. Yeah. Uh, It was just such a loss. Um, And yet it wasn't my dream to develop the world's best hotel even though that became the marching orders on the ground. Right. You know, my dream was to live in connection with nature and to share that with other people. So thanks to having that dream, mm. I was able to not really fall apart so much when the reality of my life fell apart. Um, uh-huh. So the dream line in Paul Cech's, uh teaching is you know, a, an image for it is like a, an archer with a bow and arrow 
Um, and now all of a sudden I'm feeling like maybe we did talk about this a couple of years ago. I think we did. The first pod, yeah, but, I think we did. So just, it's like, okay. just briefly for those yeah, who I haven't heard good. it. So, you know, the line between you and that bullseye uh, is your dream line. Mm. And so you want to walk down your dream line. You want to get to that bullseye. And so in his system, the way you do that is by defining values for your life mm. in four categories. Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Movement, and Dr. Happy. And so that's a whole thing you can go learn, read about through Paul, but, um, having values to moment by moment live by as you choose to make dream affirmative decisions in your life Mm. is how you walk down your dream line. Mm. And so I had to quickly realize that, um, just because the hotel wasn't being developed doesn't mean that my life is falling apart. Mm. Um, so there's actually been really only beautiful blessings for the most part that have come from that experience. And I I sort of look back on it somewhat fondly, actually. I'm sure. I'm sure it was an incredible, you learn so much. I mean, you spent a decade directing a biodynamic farm, which I'm sure is just like, you're, you know, plus just the, the, the land itself is a 300 acre property. So the farm was three acres, but across those 300 acre properties, you know, I, I learned a lot about interacting with mother nature mm. and trying to sort of impose will on mother nature, like building a road across a mountain, you know, that's first of all, we didn't build the roads. They existed. There were sort of existing logging roads but they had been built in that way, switchback roads, miles of them, let's say five or more miles of dirt roads built by loggers about 85 years prior to us moving there. Mm. And so most of those, by the time we got there, were like landslides and just Mm. falling off the mountain. And so we put in a lot of time and effort and energy to restore those so that the mountain wouldn't just keep leaching away into the watershed and, um, you know, making the making everything less pretty first of all, but also less healthy for the fish and other things that are living in those creeks. And so we repaired all of those. This is one of the first things we did when we got mm. to the properties, repaired the road network. And then annually as, as recently as last week, annually every single year, parts of that road network just want to fall off the mountain mm. um, because rainstorms and sleet and hail and fires and you know, whatnot are pretty formidable forces to try and control. Mm. And so one of the, you know, greatest lessons of stewarding a 300 acre property is like, you know, nature is so powerful Mm. and you can't, you can't, you know, nature's going to win every time. Yeah. It's it's a, you got to use a lot of force and ingenuity and technology. Yeah. 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 So, and, 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 but that same force, it's like when you're acting in resonance and harmony and syncopation with the, you know, these big energies, it's like riding a big wave, you know what I mean? And so as you tap into the spring cross quarter and May Day and the summer solstice, and, you know, as you start celebrating the the equinox and you know moving into day of the dead and moving into there's a whole litany of fall festivals and holidays that are not very well known today but 
all interesting. You know, Michaelmas is one that we just celebrated a couple weeks ago um, here. And uh, that's one that people can look up and check out or DM me about to talk about. And, you know, as we are eventually moving towards this, this highly spiritual time, which the, you know, Christian lore, you know, calls is the, the coming of Jesus and, mm. um, you know, has always been the winter solstice. And, um, what day is that? Do you know the winter solstice, December 21, oh, okay. 20 or 21, 21. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it's my daughter's birthday. Um, what, what's a really simple way or what's the best way that someone who is interested in experimenting with playing with beginning to tap into these, this earth cycle, what's one of the ways that you can do that? So what's like you said, like celebrate the summer solstice, celebrate this, you know? Yeah. Well, like that's, I mean, like the tone that you just used to say those things sort of, I think is like the societal tone. The throwaway. Yeah. Thing. It's like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like you heard how you said it, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, no, those are actually, that's actually the thing. Celebrate. Yeah. Like the that's, summer solstice. that's the thing. Like, uh-huh. so that, that's, that's what I would call step three of four mm. in my process of nature connection. So step one would be observation. Okay. Go sit outside, observe mm. nature. You, that could be a really deep practice. Uh-huh. I mean, you can go from looking at nature to all the way to what we were just talking about, like becoming porous and your soul expanding and you're unifying with nature and mm-hmm. you're having a transformative experience. So observation step two and they build on each other they include and transcend Uh each step so step two is observational reverence Mm. so it's like once you're adept at observing your surroundings and giving some attention to what you're observing without you know it being a throwaway waste of your time going through the motions kind of thing um adding the energetic quality of reverence to it is what i would say is the next step and what does that feel like? Reverence. I mean, my favorite picture of it is from Steiner. Reverence is the feeling of um, going to visit like a holy person that you've been waiting 15 years to meet. And the feeling you have as you're reaching forward towards the, the door handle to open up their office cham- mm. chamber door for the first time. Like if you could picture yourself doing that to go visit whatever guru or, or holy person. Someone who's been massively impactful on your life. Yeah. Like Jesus is on the other side of that door. Sure. You know, you're opening that door. You're about the to. feeling you would have then, uh-huh. that's how you can cult. To imagine that moment is a cultivation of reverence. Okay. So if, you, if you're feeling like absence of reverence, you can cultivate reverence yeah. through that picture or something that works for you. Yeah. And, you know, to feel that feeling rise up in your heart Mm. and then to move it um, to your eyes and let it come out your eyes and reflect back off of what you're observing is observational reference. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third step would be to utilize this practice of observational reverence through ceremonies and rituals which is what you're talking about now, celebrating the solstices, et cetera. 
Um, on the river, we made a incredible altar mm-hmm. to nature for the solstice. That was logs and rocks and skull. We found some animal skulls and bones and plants and flowers and wildflowers and all sorts of stuff. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. It was, a, it was a great experience as a group to do that. Yep. So make an altar, do anything, anything, literally anything, any ceremonial act it, that is, you know, could be by yourself, certainly, but enhanced if it's social mm-hmm. and with the right feelings of love and brotherhood for your fellow man and all living beings, uh-huh. do something, Yeah, you know, on a certain day and time. And it could be literally, you know, kind of like a hangout. You don't have to be so overt about it. Right. Like, hey, we're here doing this holy ceremony. It, right. It could just be a social gathering. And, and maybe that's what feels most comfortable for you. But you're maybe still making a toast. Yeah. You're still doing it, you know. Uh-huh. And so you're basically it's like, you know, on those notes, on those days of the year, it's like a downbeat, you know, mm. and you can either hit the drum or not. Mm. And if you hit the drum, you're on, you're on beat. Mm. And so I try to hit those beats, you know, at a minimum, there's all these other rhythms and holidays and festivals and dates and things that are meet, could be meaningful to you when the certain tree blooms, you know, when a certain wildlife flies back into town, you know, when a certain, mm. you know, f- whatever fruit is available in the forest. Um, you know, if you live in a city, you have to adapt those to, you know, to something, to something that's a little bit different depending on what you have around you, but to observe with reverence and then to celebrate your observations of the seasons in this case through ritual and ceremony. That's how you, that's how you now, you're now participating with it. Right. Okay. You're now participatory. That is why in my own head, I call it nature participation. Mm. I call it nature yeah, connection out loud because nature participation sounds weird. <laughs> if people don't know what it means. Yeah. But going through this process now, I'd like to, now that we're here, I'd like to say, okay, we're really talking about nature participation. Yeah. And so to, uh, to embody the seasonal changes through ceremony and ritual is nature participation. Mm. You're now, being the planet you know that's what the whole system is doing is this step four step three is like you know is that yeah you're participating participating. step four is sort of the net result Oh, okay if you're living a life of observational reverence and ceremony and ritual as regularly as possible you've probably reached step four which is co-healing with mother earth Mm. so there's so much medicine yeah, in yeah. Mother Earth, mm. and there's so much medicine that Mother Earth needs from us, and it's a co-creation, and and we both need co-healing, mm. and so you're now having gone through those first three steps, keeping in mind that steps one and two is somewhat of a daily practice, um, regular practice, and step three is a semi-regular practice. So now you're doing this regularly and semi-regularly throughout the year so now you know step four you're much more inclined to have dreams that are in line with the what's beneficial for mother nature and for you in a holistic way Um, and you're much more likely to make decisions and you know build values and raise a family and do certain things that are 
much more, you know, in the direction of co-healing as opposed to mutual destruction, mm. which is the other extreme. I love that, dude. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because we, someone might hear this and go, man, that's another thing on my list. I got to connect with nature, you know, as if it's totally some other job to do or chore to do in order to be healthy. Yeah. But what we're really talking about is how we're living, like how we're living, connecting, being connected to nature or making a conscious effort. At this point for me, it's not, it's just how I live. I walk around and I observe trees. I do this. I, I observe the wildlife that's all around me, even here in LA, the hawks, the squirrels, the crows, the lizards, the coyotes. I'm constantly just observing all of this stuff that's happening around me, all of this life that's happening around me. And it creates a much richer life experience. It's much more full. It's much more open. It's much more expanded. There's a lot of medicine that comes through that. And, and you're also making your, there's, there's a, it's a, it's a two way street. Mm. So, you know, your body is being nourished and fed mm. off of the thoughts that are stimulated by those observations. Mm. So if you were observing, you know, shitty TV yeah. and you know, yeah. a lot of violence and whatever, or if you're raised in that environment, your actual physical body and you know, your neural pathways and everything that drives how you think, behave and act is all being informed and built upon that. Mm. You know, and mm -hmm. so yeah, you are what you eat. It's not just food, though. It's it's uh, it's all these things. It's your friends. It's your culture. It's your society. So this practice is an intentional way, and you're saying you do it as second nature, which I think is what happens. It's but, gotten there, yeah, yeah. But as a practice, yeah. it um, it's an intentional way of sort of cultivating your non-food diet, mm. everything else that you're consuming, all the other information, all the things your brain is spending its time thinking about. Um, and then like, if you're doing it in open focus, like you were saying earlier, there's a huge hormonal response mm. to like, like open focus is the lion is sitting in the shade, looking at the whole herd. Mm. Narrow focus is he sees one limping in the back and his eyebrow furrows and his nose reaches in and his adrenaline starts pumping. He's going to go fucking eat that antelope. Mm -hmm. And he's got to, you know, have a huge burst of energy that's about to come. So as mm. we narrow our focus onto our Love books that, and yeah. tablets and whatnot, yeah, that's let, straight out of Les Femi, the creator of open focus. That's how he describes it. Oh. Um, when you, uh, when you narrow in on your, your phone or your whatever, it's like, it thinks you're about to go pounce on that antelope. Right. Your whole body's responding to yeah. it. So, uh, that's what I meant where there's an element of stress involved in the narrow focus. Totally. Yeah. 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 That's, I love how you said that. Yeah. So we can intent, like you can intentionally, you can go out and observe that tree and then you can cultivate your thinking to further that direction because your thinking is going to naturally just go in whatever direction. Right. But to, this is, this is one of Steiner's six basic exercises actually is the, the control of thinking. And it's the first one. And, um, the way he trains thinking is to take something totally innocuous like this nail something that you don't care about at all and to have a five minute exercise where you 
you you bring a thought and you can't do a nail at home. You got to find your own thing that defeats the purpose. I've already ruined nail for you. So you got to go find your own thing. So you defeat, you, 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 you intentionally connect as many logical, factual thoughts in a row, just about this. Mm. I'm holding this nail and it's definitely pointy on the top made of silver can be used to hammer into things. Guessing it was machine fabricated. It's got a soft, you know, it's got a round top. I'm not going to bore people at home by doing this for five minutes, but you can. That's the exercise. That's the exercise. That's the first of his six basic exercises, which are actually sort of the pillars of uh, the Be Here Men's Group, which is mm-hmm. launching in February. Um, and uh, I'm co hosting that. It's an online virtual men's group. You guys could check that out on uh, beherefarm.com as well. And I'm co hosting that with like a real Rudolf Steiner expert, a mentor of mine, this guy, Dr. Edmund Knighton. Um, and stoked so, for that too. Yeah, so we're sort of infusing some insights from Steiner into our our program there, and because control over thinking. I mean, what can I do with that now? It's like, well, now while I'm observing in nature, I can I can actually be you know reaping the actual benefits of it. I can start to think underneath that tree how there's a circular breath going on between me and it, you know, mm. that I'm breathing mm-hmm. out what it's breathing in. Yes. And we're just sitting there, this, this circuit, um, and f- applying my thinking power and my attention and mindfulness to the tree. It like deepens that practice even further. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of endless, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle. I would say, yeah, it becomes second nature. I yeah. Mean, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, and so, I think what you said is what is natural would naturally happen to anyone who 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 went down an intentional practice of it. It would become, you know, absolutely almost like that's why I said it almost sounds too stupid. It's too simple to even talk about. It's like I had to realize because of our conditioning though. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I had to realize that I'm too close to it. I had to back up and be uh, like, "Wait, most people might not be thinking like that right now." And so like, let me try to dissect that a little bit. And that's where I came up with like those four steps. It's like, what am I actually claiming is happening? I love that. When you celebrate in this case, the summer solstice, Yeah, you know, like, and yeah, just going like celebrate this, celebrate that. Uh You could do that. Right. Uh But if you're, if you're on that trip, practicing observational reverence ceremony and ritual for the co-healing of you and your brothers and mother earth, it's like, okay, well, now, we, now we're celebrating. Yes. Now it's something different. Love that, brother. Well, I think it's about time to get you on to the airport. Yeah. My dude, thank you. My man. Love that. Fucking excellent as always. Yeah. I got a lot out of it. Great to drop in. It's yeah. Qu- quick, but 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 always good to, to think about this stuff. I mean, yeah. for my own benefit, even, I just, it's nice to have to try and communicate about nature connection, which is a buzzword that, um, you know, you're going to hear Coca-Cola use the next year. It's like, it's going to mean nothing soon. So, uh, to, to, to make meaning out of it is feels really important to me. Mm-hmm. Something that I want to share. So hopefully people got, got something out of it and, um, love that brother. Yeah. Hit me up on uh, Instagram at be here farm. Talk about this more. And, uh, Eben is the, along with me and Dopero, the headliner of not just that river trip, 
but we're also doing a week-long trip in Italy <sighs> at an agriturismo in Umbria, which is uh, seven nights of just what we're calling slow food, slow culture, slow living. That's a, it's actually a, an organization called slow food that, uh. that started in Italy. Mm. And so we're going to, you know, you could, you could look that up or reach out to me to talk about that, but we're going to practice some slow living in Umbria where it comes from. And, uh, wait, yeah. what's the date of the Italy trip? Italy is May 18th, seven nights fly into Rome. And then June 16th, for that dinner in Boise, followed by the river trip starting the next day. Love it. And, uh, big kickoff for the summer. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good one, 2024. All right, y'all. Winter solstice, December 2021. Just be tuned to it. Just see what happens when your attention, when your awareness is circulating around. Oh, this is winter solstice would be. The longest night of the year. Yeah, least amount of daylight, longest night, most spiritually active time. You know, let that little baby Jesus be born inside you. That's Love what's, that. That's what's happening there, you know? That's, Love that. that. That's what that's the metaphor for. Everything's going into the earth. A lot of life, a lot of development being cultivated on the inside, in the inner. Then summer solstice, June 21. Yeah. June 21, summer solstice, most sunlight, most radiant moment of the year. Tune into that as well. Just see what it does. I think it's a fun, it's a fun exercise just to, just to bring your awareness to it and yeah, see what's start, different. Just start there too. You could add, add more moments throughout the year as, as you go, but start with those big notes. And the one thing I'll just leave people with, if they are going to experiment with that, is that from a, a sun angle perspective, the day before and after, you know, these solstices is kind of the same, mm. you know, cause it, it reverses course at that point. So two days before is kind of like two days after. Mm. And so there's this window of time surrounding the event, this portal. Yeah. You're like in the chapter you're in the phase of you know the you're under the influence of Love much like saint john's where it grows 20 days before and after the summer solstice and that's it yeah that's that's an amazing flowers fact. i should say it grows sure, for longer sure. than that but yeah so it's like what's what's flowering inside you right now mm. and what you know what season what's alive yeah what season are you rolling into mm. And, you know, 20 days before and 20 days after, keep in mind, you're flowering like that St. John's word. You're flowering the energy of that season, basically. You're mm. a snapshot of that season. Unless you're just completely disconnected, sitting in a, you know, sitting in an apartment, eating chips, watching TV, riding car, riding in elevators, never getting outside and just like smoking vapes and doing whatever. You know what I mean? But I'm saying if you're actually being a human being, um, you're, 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 you're having that experience. Well, even if you are doing that, you're just one footstep away. Totally. From getting into the awareness of the sun and the earth. Yeah, a dull person can become a sharp person quickly. Uh-huh. Um, so if you're if that somehow describes you, then you're probably not listening to the show. But if it describes a friend of yours, bring him to the solstice celebration you have. Yeah. Or the river trip. Yeah. All right, bro. Love you, man. You too. Thank you. And thank you, Noah. Noah's the best. We'll see y'all next time. Lots of love, guys. Peace.